everyone to the This Made Me Feel Things podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Catherine. Each week, Catherine and I take turns recommending a movie or maybe a TV show that made us feel things at one point in time. We talk about how we felt then and we talk about how we feel it now in the rewatch. So this episode is going to talk about Mr. Holland's Opus, which you chose, Catherine. Yes, I did. It's a film from my childhood. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you watched it? I don't remember the first time. I feel like it was on TV like a lot when I was a kid. So we watched it a lot. I don't remember this movie at all. Like I actually think I heard about it for the first time when you recommended it. And it wasn't when you watched it at all? No. It's possible that I maybe came across it on TV, but I really don't remember it. It doesn't stand out to me. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was just in a different bubble watching Disney movies still when you were, like, <laughs> watching Mr. Holland's Oprah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was It was probably also just, like, a very um, – it's a very wholesome, uplifting story. So yeah. I think that's why we watched it so much. All right, so we're going to get into today's movie recap. So just a reminder, if you would not like spoilers, please watch the movie beforehand. Otherwise, you've been warned. So Mr. Holland's Opus, released in 1995 and directed by Stephen Herrick or Herrick, Herrick. Who knows? Don't think he directed <laughs> after that. Uh, the movie follows the life of Mr. Glenn Holland, played by Richard Dreyfus, mm-hmm. who at the beginning of the movie is a su- successful musician and composer turned high school teacher. So the movie begins in 1964 when a 30-year-old Mr. Holland takes a position as a high school music teacher as he gets married and starts a family. The movie follows his 30-year career as a teacher, his struggles to adapt to the new job, and we meet the many students he connects with along the way through his passion of rock and roll and classical music and young teen girls. Oh, my God. <laughs> one specific one, but, you know. Along Mr. Holland's opus, we follow the struggle Mr. Holland has in raising his son, Cole, who is born deaf. And Mr. Holland, therefore, focuses more and more time and attention on his students during this period while causing a rift between his wife and son. The movie ends on his last day as a teacher where all his inspired ex-pupils have returned to perform Mr. Holland's Opus, a composition he works on through the course of the film. So you watched it with your family a lot? Yeah. Do you remember how you felt as a kid then about it? Well, I remember... I like in my memory it was a um like a kind of epic emotional drama that was really inspiring and heartwarming. Yeah, I just remember like I used to really love it when I watched it for like the multiple times that I saw it before. I think I really liked the storyline, the like the essential storyline about a really inspirational teacher who was also like a struggling genius trying to make his own creative magic happen I think also it's like a very moving idea the story of this man that is obsessed with music who then has a deaf son yeah which I remember being a more I thought it was a more prominent part of the story but it takes so long to get to that part of the movie yeah I guess so it's a long movie surprise I was surprised at how long it was when you told me it was two and a half hours nearly it is ridiculously long it does not need to be that long I think they were really trying to make something that was a big emotional like big drama you can tell that they're really trying especially with the way that they cut through all of the news stories to mark the change of time so this uh, this really reminded me of Forrest Gump which 
I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen it? I've seen it once ages ago. I really don't remember much of it. Okay. Well, I feel like they're probably trying to write off the coattails of that because that came out, I think, 94 or 3, and it won a few Oscars, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, that was hugely successful in that, like, it followed one man, but from childhood rather than like Mr. Holland is already 30 when the movie starts or supposedly 30 he looks like he's 50 throughout the whole thing it's the whole same thing where you see Forrest Gump like they actually insert him into those passages of time like he fights in the war he meets John Lennon and it ends in present day at the time of 94 whatever it was said so it they I think they were trying to do the same thing because they saw how successful it was for Forrest Gump yeah that makes sense it's probably like an interesting, inspiring story for a 10-year-old, but... Well, do you think that's who the target market was, 10-year-olds? I don't know, but I really enjoyed it when I was 10. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it definitely it definitely tried to be more than it was. And I think the, the news insertions, or whatever you would call them, it comes across as really reductive in the end because... There's all these big things happening in the world outside, but nobody's actually involved in them. Like nobody's going to the MLK marches. Nobody is fighting for feminism. That's what I mean. Like whereas in Forrest Gump, he does. Yeah. I guess it's a bit formulaic and it yeah. doesn't really doesn't really match properly. So they could have like cut all that shit out and it would have been at least half an hour shorter. Those things at most were probably like two minutes. Oh well it felt it just felt really long. <laughs> It's funny as well because, so I guess in the beginning it was sometime around, it was the war because they did the chopper. That's the only way you know that there's a, it's wartime is if there's a chopper. I'm pretty sure they used that trick in Good Morning Vietnam as well. They do it in all those movies. <laughs> um, and, then, and then it goes to like the feminism marches and MLK. But like the big change in the 90s, I don't know if you picked it up, was like two boys at school walking hands in hand. <laughs> Are you kidding? That whole scene, I was like, I had to hold myself back from rolling my eyes. And it was because the music was so, it was, I think, like Beastie Boys or something. It was very 90s and it was like almost screaming, like them just going, ah, ah, ah. And I was like, what? It can only be the 90s. And, yeah, the boys holding hands. It was a little bit, oh, let's, you know, create a stereotype of these eras. Yeah, it's really just using stereotypes to make to cut corners. So before rewatching it, what did you think this movie meant to you? So I guess I, I had in my head that it was um, emotional and moving. Like I think I really did find it inspirational when I was little. The idea of this creative person with big dreams and he's fighting against everything to make it happen for himself and then also dealing with like trying to raise a son who's deaf. I remembered the uh, Gershwin scenes very well for some reason. The musical scenes. The musical scenes, yeah. Yeah. But I think I had it confused because I thought I remember it being a romantic storyline, but it is not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But how would you know that when you're 10? It's just it's interesting that I haven't seen this movie before, so my only context is now when things are different in the world and a lot of these storylines are just like I guess do you feel like in the rewatch it has made you love this movie less because I have been listening to the Bechtel cast and they say like yes a lot of problematic movies especially 80s a lot of 80s movies like a lot of the John Hughes movies 
are not okay now. Like there's a lot of like subtext of like rape culture and like oh, shivers. Yeah, I know. That's a whole rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. But like, cause obviously it meant something to you when you watched that growing up because you don't know these or you're just blind to these things. And now you're like, oh, this sucks. But I like, there's part of me that still loves this movie because it meant something to me when I was a teenager. How do you think it impacted you rewatching it? This one, I guess it's a pretty like straightforward. I don't think it holds up kind of Mm. response because essentially the storyline with the student is like it's not great Mm -mm. but it's also like it's not the worst thing Mm. they had a bit of tutoring she kind of fell in love with him and he didn't like he didn't shut it down but he didn't really like pursue it the kiss was fucking strange oh so i had a bit of a different lens on it because as soon as you see her sing, Rowena, the character, as soon as you see her sing for the first time in the auditions, mm. the way they framed that, they pan it on his face with looking up, up, up at her at all and they frame it in a way that's like, this is going to be romantic almost. Like if this was any other romantic comedy it wasn't a student and teacher, I would almost be like telling you that this is something that's going to happen here. It, it didn't even make me think like, yeah, he's going to blow this up. Like it made me think he was falling for her in that moment, the way they framed that. And then every other scene, it just, I looked at that as like, he was liking this. Like he was also growing feelings for her. And even, I don't know whether I like missed the scene or maybe I did stop paying attention, but in the scene where he goes to her at the bus stop, and she's like, oh, you packed light. Did they decide to run away together? That's what it implies. Yeah. the whole. I mean, the whole storyline, it was stupid because there wasn't anything that actually happened between them that we saw. That we saw. Except that they both developed feelings. And for some reason he named his, like, oh. theme after her, which is gross. That's so great. Like, if not for that and the, the fact that she said you packed light, implying they had talked about running away together and he was going to pack a bag and run with her to wherever she was going, he was allowing this to happen. That, that to me, doesn't show that he was, like, trying to fight it. I don't know. I just didn't like that at all. Yeah, like, fair enough. I guess I just read it as that she had developed these stronger feelings and in her naivety, naivete, her saying that she was going to get on this bus, could she come with him, is, like, her making the first move and... And then he comes to the bus to just say goodbye to her. Like, I don't know. I guess I didn't really bother reading too much into it because I already thought it was just dumb. It was dumb. And it was also a bit insulting the way that it was treated. Like, it was kind of going to happen eventually that he would fall in love with a student. Yeah. I, I don't like they had to add that. Why? Like, I don't know. It was weird. And almost romanticize it. Like, it was, and, and also put it on the girl. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Good job, Mr. Holland, for staying clear and not tempting to your teenage student, which for all intents and purposes, he wanted to. You Like you could see it that he wanted to. Well done, but not actually pulling. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. It was very congratulatory. Like you're meant to think, yeah, he's done the right thing. He said goodbye. That's it. But he should have stopped it like. In the beginning. In the beginning. Well, that's what I mean. They barely say any words to each other and he's already salivating over her in the audition scene. Like that that was when I was like, no, 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 I don't like (laughs) it already. But even the way that they were talking about it, like these three adult teachers in their like at least 40s casting this musical, they're saying they've got their lead. And they're looking for their ingenue, which is just a gross term because it should be just like 
the other lead. What does ingenue actually mean, though? I don't actually know. It's some kind of, like, sexy muse that's going to be, you know, like, pretty and just something nice to look at. Yeah, I just thought it was it was a weird term for a teacher to use already. Yeah, that's true. And, like, the way that they frame it to be, like, she's just this angel sent from heaven, beautiful, has a beautiful voice. I don't know. And also she's a senior and none of these teachers knew that she could sing. Like, what the hell have they been doing? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, I don't know. That whole storyline for me, goof. Even, the, like, when he's named it Rowena and the his wife comes into the room and she's like, who's Rowena? And he has to lie about it. I guess... You're right. It shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have been in the movie. I guess, like you said, it almost like, oh, we're going to do a movie about a, a teacher or we must have a weird, like, student thing in there. And even as well when the wife goes to the play and finds out that she's Rowena and it just resolves by him coming home after rejecting Rowena and saying, I love you. Yeah, I know. Oh, good. We don't need to have a conversation about this. You nearly effed a student. Really had at least, at the very least, an emotional affair with this student, and we don't have to have a conversation about it. Plus, you treat our son like a dick. Like it, it's oh my god, it's pretty fucked up. Like the wife in this storyline is grossly underserved. It's mm. her storyline throughout is just it's a joke. Yeah. The fact that when they're, when they're talking about their financial troubles, she's just going to be like a photographer and she's going to fill her time and she's not even going to contribute that much to the the household. Yeah, and you see her taking one photograph. Yeah, like she never works after that. Well, no women need to work, Catherine. Yes, well, <laughs> I forget sometimes. <laughs> like as soon as the son is born, she is not in a scene on her own anymore except that bit when the husband comes home after not cheating on her. And by the way, this this movie doesn't pass the Bechdel test, I don't think. Like, not at all. Not at all. There's the principal who only talks to Mr. Holland or the um, the William H. Macy vice principal who looks crazy in this movie. <laughs> like, his haircut is... What the hell is that haircut? <laughs> yeah, honestly. And then there's that other drama teacher who's helping with the musical. And then there's Rowena, obviously, and then Gertrude. But that's it. Like, And they don't talk to each other at all. Yeah, you're right. They don't talk to each other about anything real. I was going to say that Mrs. Holland thanks uh, Gertrude for coming to the performance. That's all it, is. <laughs> all it is was thanks for coming, no worries. That was it. And that doesn't pass the test, I don't think. Uh, yeah, it has to be two sentences that's not about a man. I found that the wife was underserved and generally women are underserved in this whole movie. And in general, then it got me thinking about like teacher movies in general through time. Like, and there are a few good ones. Like there's like To Serve With Love, there's Dead Poet Society. And then I was like, are there any teacher movies that are about female teachers? Because all those movies, like I had this amazing male teacher who taught me everything and I changed my life. It's usually like a a sport coach or English teacher, whatever. And I like looked it up quickly. I don't think there is, or there's not many that I know of. And the only depiction I can think of of a female teacher in a movie is like bad teacher where like the teacher's a slut. The one that comes to mind is um, Freedom Riders with Hilary Swank. Okay. I haven't seen that one. I've, mm, I remember it vaguely. I could be remembering it wrong, but that is also like a white woman saving a classroom of black kids, which is problematic in a different way. It's problematic. And it's funny because I was thinking in my head, like, aren't 
what, like statistically there are more female teachers than male teachers and then like yeah even in the 50s and I quickly looked it up and there was an article um males started to get more into teaching in the 50s because it became like women started getting more office jobs and stuff and then they started raising salaries probably more for men yeah in order to entice them to get into teaching but still 30 percent of teachers were men in the seven in the 60s in america and 70s so like why are all these movies about male teachers can only male teachers like <laughs> influence people like i just I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what this movie would have looked like if it was a female teacher story. Could that still be a thing? Like, I would love to see that in film. Just a female teacher, or yeah, just why? Like, why couldn't this have been a female teacher story? Does it only is it only watchable because it's a male teacher? Like, literally every list that I've seen, all these teacher movies you need to watch are all men. I wonder if it's because it wouldn't be surprising to see a woman being like caring and inspirational to students oh it's a good job male teachers for being like just doing a job and being inspiring i don't know i like or you know like bringing out your feminine qualities of caring for other people and teaching yeah but there have been female teachers who went above and beyond before surely that's worth telling like i don't know this isn't really going above and beyond he's just doing his job he's literally doing the bare minimum unless the student is good looking and he'll meet them on Saturdays yeah actually now that I think about it one female student teacher movie I do like is Matilda Miss Honey I loved that I loved her um growing up because she was like the picture of a perfect teacher and then even like adopts Matilda at the end like I loved it that's a great female teacher story that is an excellent movie it's also kind of interesting the storylines that they chose for the students that he helps. So he helps the girl with the clarinet and then Lewis. He's played by a very cute Terrence Howard. And by the way, he dies. Like, why does a black character have to die? I don't know. That was really underserved. He just, like, helps vulnerable people anyway, girls and minorities and the random, like, pothead. Yeah, it's just look at a white man doing his job. Like, great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's all it was. And he, but he complained about it for the first 30 minutes of like, I don't want to do this. I want to be a famous musician. Yeah, I don't know. Like, looking back on this, like, rewatching this now, I'm a little bit embarrassed that I was so inspired by this movie because it is just like an average white man doing his job and being treated like a hero. Like, that memorial is nonsense. Why did they not do a big thing for the drama teacher as well? Like, I don't know. It's such a, it's a ridiculous storyline. But it's a product of the 90s, which those were the stories that were created. And also those were how they were resolved. It was, it's so saccharine sweet. Yeah. And it wraps up so nightly, nicely in a bow. Mm. And he has no repercussions for any of his shit actions. Yeah. The student thing is just swept under the rug. The Even the resolution with his son, who he treats like crap. Yeah, he's an asshole to his son. He's really horrible. And, like, I did, like, when he finds out that he's deaf. Like, I loved the reveal. I didn't see that coming. And then I also kind of liked his Beethoven thing where he was like, yeah, Beethoven couldn't hear. And mm. that was well done, but it was just like, but that doesn't mean you give up like he just gave up on his kid yeah and just like well you're no use to me because you can't hear music like are you kidding me man like you're a shit father yeah I guess it's just like a as a product of the 90s it is a very typical father storyline that you would get as well 
Like when she says that she's pregnant in the beginning, he's like, oh, fuck, basically. Yeah. Stressed out about it. Like you're married and you're 30. Yeah, like obviously this is going to happen at some point. Yeah. And he passes all the responsibility of child raising to his wife and just retreats into his hole of teaching. Like all he has to do is one concert and his son completely turns around for him. It's a really sad depiction of fatherhood. It is, especially for deaf children because I imagine imagine that would feel rejecting to be a deaf kid and like I'm, I'm sure that parents struggle with that and like I'm sure that happens where parents might reject their kid for being deaf yeah and can you imagine watching this movie and being like yeah that sucks I'm never going to be accepted or whatever like I don't know I, obviously it resolves nicely and I, I do like that they have the use of um, sign language and that he does embrace it eventually but it's just mm. man and having that bloody like that, that whole scene where they find out that he's deaf and then they have that that crazy man and the the whole framing of that scene was like dark and he's like yes you should never teach him sign language because he'll never learn to lip read like <laughs> can you be more obvious that this is an evil character and this, they shouldn't be doing this like it was just... i think i do think though there were a few scenes that there were a few scenes that were really well done like i liked as well what they did with the beethoven story you can tell him teaching his or talking to his students about it and he's crying and he's really upset about it. But then he doesn't like he just he just puts all his attention on his work and his students instead of his family as a response. And then the scene as well where they're in the kitchen and Cole is trying to ask for something in the kitchen. Oh yeah. And the mom breaks down and she's just like, I don't understand my son. I need we need to do something. That was the one scene I really loved her in. Yeah, I think she did a really good job. Like I, I found I'm just disappointed by it, like by rewatching it because I think it would be if it was done a little bit better, even a little bit, it would have been a better film. But there was there's just some interesting storylines to pursue, like a music teacher with a deaf child. It could have been so much more interesting because there's really like there's not a lot of films about deaf people. The other one I'm sure you've seen. I haven't. I don't remember the name of it, but the French one that came out maybe five years ago of the French family. Oh, yeah, the Belier family. Yeah, that's so lovely. And there is a misrepresentation of deaf people in film because I guess it's hard to represent that. But, like, that was an amazing representation. I mean, it's good that they represented it at all in this movie, but it was, yeah, it was problematic. It was problematic. Like, even basic things at the concert for the children at the deaf school, at the end of the concert, everybody clapped, but... The sign language for clapping is not actually clapping. It's the hand shaking, like the hand. Yeah. And it was just it's just such an obvious mistake that nobody has spent very much time with um, this community to understand how they respond. I found it really interesting also during that scene with <laughs> when Mr. Holland is singing truly that horrible rendition of Beautiful Boy. I really hated his voice. <laughs> But that's fine, whatever. He says that in the beginning. But Cole's reaction was almost like, oh, I don't like this. Like his face. It wasn't like emotional like you would think it would. I actually found it really like funny because, yeah, he doesn't respond in an emotional way. You can kind of like see in his head he's being like, you're a fucking asshole. You think this is yeah. going to make up for everything. That's what I mean. And the way that you've treated me. Like, and now I have to forgive you because you put a concert on for my for my friends. 
That's exactly. And now you're embarrassing me by singing me this like beautiful boy song. I don't want to. And he's what, 15 in this? Oh, like that would be the ultimate embarrassment. And also, the, I hated the last thing where he's like, he says beautiful coal at the end. I'm like, oh, like, I don't like it. It was too much of a forgive me for the 15 years of shit parenting that I've given you in this one moment. And, you know, it's a movie, so they do that. But like, ugh. But yeah, now that you're finished high school and you're going to college and I don't need to worry about you, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, look, like, I think we're bashing it because, you know, if we had reviewed this movie 10 years ago, maybe it would be different. And there is a lot that's happened and progress has happened in the world. Mm. And, like, I thought it was a fine movie. Like, I didn't dislike it by any means. There was just a lot of problematic things in it that are hard to watch especially the Rowena. Like I, I've paused multiple times during that whole, anytime they interacted because I'm like, I don't like it. It's just pretty gross. So gross. Fucking hell. Anyway, I just, it's not the worst. In, like there are far more problematic movies now, but yeah, like you said, it would have been nicer to have a bit more representation or just a little less problematic issues. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It didn't hold up. I'm sorry, I made you watch. No, it's okay. I like. I mean, that's gonna happen every now and then. We're gonna want to watch a movie that we loved as children or even teenagers, and they're not gonna like. That's the thing with movies. Like times change, and movies are a timestamp of the time they were made. So unfortunately, there are gonna be things that are problematic in them. Even probably movies from five years ago are gonna be problematic. You know. So yeah, it happens. It happens. And there are going to be movies I'm sure I'm going to recommend that I'm going to be like, goo, like, or I even already know that this isn't cool. Like, I even told you, like, when I rewatched Crazy Stupid Love, oh, my God, there's so many problematic things in that movie. Yeah, and that one is less than 10 years old. It's pretty recent still. So, uh, you know, there's no perfect movie, unfortunately. Yeah. I was thinking it's interesting timing that we watch this and the conclusion of the film is that to save some money, the principal decides to cut the music and drama department. And then Mr. Holland's, I can't remember his first name. Glenn. Glenn Holland's line about how the students won't have anything to read or write about now that there's no Mm. music and drama is pretty interesting. It is interesting. I think arts is so important. Like I had a friend growing up, I went to primary school with her and she was like a piano genius. Like she yeah. It was amazing. She was really smart as well, like intelligent. So she got, went to a selective high school in Sydney. And in those high schools, they pretty much primarily focus on math sciences and they don't really focus on arts at all. And she's like, it kind of killed my creativity. Like later in life, we talked about it. And she was like, because our primary school was so heavy. We had like performances every year. We had drama. We had in those musicals that we did like Beatles songs and like 80s music and like all these random genres she's like it but like going to that high school crushed any creativity in me because it was all about maths and sciences and that's important obviously but like that should be a focus still I don't know I mean when you the way that I think about it is it's it's absolutely should be classed as an essential um part of life yeah like in this pandemic um for example the things that we've used the most are nurses and doctors and Netflix like (laughs) everybody needed entertainment during this time to get us through this stressful period yeah so anyway Mr Holland's opus what did you think of his actual opus in the end I loved it I loved the opus I have to say I did like the last scene 
even though it was a little bit like, yeah, we, yeah, old white teacher, we're going to celebrate your life just doing your job. I <laughs> loved, sorry, I loved the opus. Like, it was really nice to see all his students, like the class of whatever year they graduated in. That was nice. It was, I didn't cry. I didn't touch me in that way. It was a little bit like, this feels, again, like the nice big bow on the end of the movie. But I liked it. And the opus itself was like great. And I saw that it won a Grammy in 97. Oh, yeah. So did well. What did you think? I thought it was funny because, um, you know, the idea of like when you're writing about somebody who's really good at their job, like a a really good writer or a really good singer, (laughs) it's you're kind of going to shoot yourself in the foot if you actually show what they write or show what they do mm-hmm. because it's never going to be as good as what the audience can imagine. But, the um, yeah, I think the opus actually does hold up, probably because it's written by an actual composer. Of course. Well, they were going to get Richard Dreyfus to write an <laughs> orchestral theme. Like... Or a high school teacher. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I read that it was about a real person, but I didn't really dive that deep into that research. I don't know. Like an actual teacher that did his actual job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Based on a true story could have been, yeah, just any male teacher that did his job. Pretty much. <laughs> I wonder if they were trying to show that it had been inspired by different time periods as well because there were a lot of movements. I feel like it kind of changed a bit. Well, I think that's why they sprinkled like bits of his writing, like his music in all the periods. I wonder if even Rowena's theme's in there. That I hope he took out because gross. Gross. If you could remake this whole movie, what would you change about it? Well, I don't think, I really don't think it needs to be that long. I think <laughs> I was definitely more interested in the father and son storyline. So I think they could have like cut out at least two or three students that he helped. Definitely Rowena needs to go. And I would have just focused on like his learning how to deal with a differently abled child. Yeah. He should have spent more time like turning the music up and and sitting sitting with Cole, talking to him about what he likes. The fact that he doesn't even know that his son knows who the Beatles are is ridiculous. And also like there is never a situation where it's okay to say to somebody, I'm upset about this, but you wouldn't understand. So I'm not even going to bother about it. Especially to your son. It's so insulting. Yeah, that was not great. Okay, so how did Mr. Holland's opus make you feel? Mm, disappointed. Yeah, definitely just disappointed. In general, that's all that made you feel. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> how, if I was to ask you this question 15 years ago, how would you have answered that? I would have said it was like a really inspirational movie and um, a moving. I, I really thought that it was more moving, but it's not. It's just, it's lazy storytelling. How did you feel about it? I felt really uncomfortable through the, like, that's the emotion that came through most, especially during the Rowena scenes. But I felt generally pleasant up until that point, really. Like, it was, it was a pleasant movie in general. I don't want to be full negative because it's, it's definitely not the worst movie ever made. Like, but there was so, like, the, there was a lot of uncomfortableness in that. And (laughs) the last scene made me feel, nice like it was nice it wasn't moving but it was nice I think it was hard to feel moved after seeing all the problematic stuff that's all I guess I'm just so negative about it because I really like I had in my memory that it was so much better and now when I look back on it as an adult and with everything that's happened it's disappointing the way that this 
father is portrayed, it's disappointing that this teacher let that girl fall in love with him. It's disappointing that this is another story about a man just like checking out of his family life. It's disappointing that these women don't have more than five words to say. Just, I just feel let down. I really feel let down. <laughs> I mean, that's going to happen while we talk about movies that like yeah. are just older and like haven't grown with the times. So, you know, yeah, part of the course. Anyway, we've got to go through all the feelings, right? That's it. That's what it's about. <laughs> all right. So after um, experiencing Mr. Holland, that is my first. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel like watching next time alex i kind of want to flip the uh coin completely the other side Thank you. i want to watch <laughs> you know nothing against mr holland but i want to watch something you know one of the first movies i want to review i want to sort of have in the romantic comedy genre just because it's gonna come up a lot uh-huh. as we go through our show um because romantic comedies were just a theme of my life. So, um, but I wanted to start with like a light, fluffy one that is one of mine and I'm pretty sure your favourites. So I really want to watch yes. Suddenly 30 slash Destiny <gasps> Going On 30. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. Good choice. <laughs> I know. I think you, I'm sure it's probably going to be on your list or probably was on your list, but sorry, I'm taking it first. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get straight to it. Okay, great. Well, We'll uh, see you next time for Suddenly 30. So thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode. We would love to know how you feel about this movie. So you can email us at feelthingspodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us at This Made Me Feel Things on Instagram. Feel free to leave us a review in your podcast app of choice and spread the word with your friends so we can all feel feelings together. Yeah. See you next time. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>